All right. And we're in. We're in. We're on. We're on. This is it. This is it. This is the starting point. This is the inaugural episode of Talk Dairy to Me. All right. Well, so, let's. what do you want to cover first? Well, I want to give a shout out to um, our relatives down in PA and send our love and our condolences with uh, down to Uncle Rick. And... Reed, Kelly, and Blake, and Bristol. Um, they lost their mom and um, wife. So we're thinking of you guys. Aunt Lori was great and was an angel. So, um, all right. All right. Let's. So, what are we going to talk about today? What's going on in the farm and the dairy business and the dairy world? Um, Let's get right into it. You're the you're the coach. Tell me where where are we going? Let's just start with what's happening at the farm and break it down for people. All right. All right. Last week we finished up fourth cut, so we pretty much put plastic on tires on, as you know, and covered up. The bunks and we finished our cropping season. We got a little bit on the ground right now. We're 60 acres without a round bale till tomorrow. So Adam Osgood's going to come up and do that for us. We should be done cropping for the year. So for someone looking on the outside in, what is the benefit for you guys to round bale the rest of your fourth cut opposed to put it in the bunk? Well, we really didn't have a whole lot of room in our bunks, and the feed that we that I chose to mold to round bale was about two feet tall, so I didn't want to leave that to go through the winter with it to have a bunch of dead grass for first cut next year. So um, that won't help. Obviously, dead grass will not help our diet next year. So get it off. Get some manure on it. Now, a lot of people around here have been struggling with like feed quality and just like with their corn, they've been dealing with dead corn and stuff like that up north. So, like, you guys are selling a lot of your feed, and I think you mentioned you we might sell our third cut crop. Yeah, we've got we've got so much grass that we've got about twelve hundred ton of third cut grass silage that I probably won't even get to so what stinks is we're probably gonna have to sell it at a loss just to get rid of it but i don't need 1200 ton of feed sitting there and right. doing nothing a few years ago we held on to some second cut that ended up keeping it another year because we didn't use it so we ended up selling that at a <laughs> discounted price <laughs> right but it was still good feed it really was and we opened it up and, and got into it it was <laughs> it smelled really good yeah last year was a good year for feed all around we had good yielding corn and we had some good middle cropping yeah we were yeah it was it was, it was definitely a little drier this year was just so hard to put up good feed we were we were lucky because we got on it early enough i think we were like the 15th 16th of may 
eight. Yeah, we, we were early. And the pen that we got that first cut off, and then we, 30 days later, we hit another window, and then it just rained and rained. So we ended up not doing third cuts for like 47 days, I think I counted. So that feed, you know, was not, <laughs> as, <laughs> not what it, right. as, uh, as our second and our first cut. But it's talking to the nutritionist yesterday. I think you might have been talking to him a little bit. Yeah. Not like nobody's feed is testing very good as no. far as protein. Especially up our way. Even in down in the northern New York area. He said they've seen a lot of farms with just not been able to get on it at the right times and yeah. just missing missing those windows of opportunity that are normally there in a dry year. Well, I think it I think it was just the protein just got leached out into all the rain. The sugar though. That's what we were, him and I were talking about. The sugar's been high. Normally, you're four, maybe four percent in second cut if you're lucky. First cut, I mean, sometimes we're seven, eight percent. This year, we were like 14 percent on our first cut, 11 percent on our second cut. But, and that's where you save money. You know, you're not buying that energy. For your mix so right so how does that high sugar content first cut just change the ultimate the, the mix ration for the cows well it's it's dollars and cents it's it's what's what's that ration pulling in am i gonna have to buy chocolate what kind of energy source am i gonna have to pull in to supplement that sugar like we had the brew or we not we had the brewers uh no, we haven't had brewers. Not brewers. What the, was the it? Cookie mix. Yeah, the cookie mix. We brought the cr- cookie mix in for a couple yeah, months. Yeah, that's not really. It adds some. Um, Russell uses a lot of actually Nestle products. If you look at our grain. And leftovers. If you look at our grain, you'll see the M&Ms in it a lot. Um, the Hershey. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Hershey chunks. That's yeah. pretty, it's pretty cool, actually, when you look at the grain and you see it. That not all of it goes to waste, you know. Oh, absolutely. Which is the great thing about dairy industry and the agriculture industry as well is that cows will eat just about anything. Any byproduct. Right. Like yeah. whey. We put whey in from before they brought it to the methane digester in Middlebury. They We took a, bo- a lot, like a lot, a lot of grain. Like you'd see that truck going all over places. Yeah. They, you know, they come into our place every other day. Yeah, the whey truck. And that saved us. That was saving us twenty five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year. So that's, that's, that's raw protein. Protein. <laughs> protein. Right. And yeah, it's it's a it's a huge deal. Any anything that humans don't consume, you can pretty much feed a fish at. Right. Because they're ruminant. I mean they're gonna break it down and they're gonna use it. So one thing that I've noticed though in the last few years when we were feeding that cookie product and the cool thing about that they call it cookie but it's basically a bread product so down in boston they they get all this bread free and it goes into a a giant basically oven right and it cooks it it's like basically making croutons pretty much from the extra bread is it's what it is it's like a bunch of little tiny crushed up croutons (laughs) and it and it smells i know a couple loads you're like 
was that smell? I think I think it, I I ate some of like it a, one day. Before. Yeah, you did. And you're like, oh, that doesn't. It's, that it's does not, not as good like as it smells. <laughs> but it it tastes and it not tastes it smelled like a pizzeria. Right. It was unbelievable. It's like yeah, it's like that and the charring crust almost. I I think the raccoons and the skunks and the everything else everything around everything else just loves it also. But, yeah. But we we've had enough corn silage and the price of it was got to the point where it just didn't make sense putting it into our diet anymore. So we've been feeding more corn silage. But one thing that I've noticed in feeding more corn silage is our components are way are high right now. I, I was looking at them today. Our butter fat right now is running like a 4.3, and our proteins jumped up to a 3.6, a 3, no, 3.8 maybe. Can you break those measurements down for me? Oh, I, I probably can't. <laughs> <laughs> It's just the percent in the milk. Yes, of our milk. Right. So our butter fat, sorry, our butter fat was today was 4.5, and our protein's 3.25. Um, for a cow's given 96, 98 pounds of milk, that's, that's a lot of components. Right. So we're, we're pushing. Because usually you see when cows get up in the high, high, uh, Milk, liquid milk, like category, is their components drop off as like the dilution of right. the amount of milk they're giving is the low quality milk yeah, towards the end of the milk inks. So we're over, we're we're over seven pounds of components. Right. Which is, I know a few years ago Cargill kind of broke it down, and they they worked with Cornell, and their most profitable farms were over six and a half pounds of components. Right. So. Well, it's not like that's that's not like a normal thing at all. Like you look on like um, like the newspaper when you have like what is that Lancaster, Lancaster farming? Farmer. You get it, and you like your farm. Our farm is like in the top in the county for the components compared to like the bigger farms. We're almost pushing higher than they are. Oh, I think like Newmont. There, there's we're up there. Yeah, our protein, like herd average wise, is we're one of the highest in the state. Just on test. I'm sure there's farms that are not that are up there. I think that's just, you know, not trying to toot horns, but I think it's management. You know, you get talking about. I I always bust Bruce, Bruce's, Bruce about the jerseys. You know, he it's nice having them in the herd, but really, what are they bringing to the table? I mean, I grew up on a dairy on a Jersey herd. And ever since I left, I don't know if it's because when I was at college, I got razzed so much for having jerseys. They used to be like, oh, that's the guy that come from the meadow mice farm, you know. So when you get a jersey that's given 18,000 pounds of milk and he's running a four and a three, the same or less than a Holstein's like, well, what the hell are we milking them for? Right. They're giving 20,000 pounds less than a Holstein. And they're probably eating damn near the same amount. Right. And farming is always like, you always talk about that efficiency in farming. Absolutely. But there's, it's not just the efficiency within farming. It's like the efficiency within every category of your farm. It's the efficiency in the feed. It's the efficiency in the feeding. It's the efficiency <laughs> in the hoof trimming. Alert. It's Yeah, it's the efficiency <laughs> in all the little things that make the farm go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think of... Uh, trimming at 
at the heifer barn. Showed some weaknesses that the farm has and some things that the farm needs really, really needs to improve on for our heifer cows. What we wrapped 107 uh, digital dermatitis on the cows. We had a couple. Um, I think our bull suffered from. I think it was some soul separation. Yeah, he had an abscess. He had an abscess. Um, yeah, I think that's just one thing that we need to like. Well, we used to have that foot bath in North Monroe that they used to go through, and that that helped a little bit, helped a lot of it, I should say, the copper sulfate foot bath that we had up there. Yeah, it's Monroe's twenty three point seven miles away. Right. And it's I, hard I, to I manage. Go <laughs> I go up there every day. It's just our pregnant. Basically, our heifers go up there at breeding age. 11 months, our heifers are huge. Yes. Um, they are a little bit fat because they're on, they're getting all the refusal at the home farm with no added gain. Nope. So they're, they're going up there, <laughs> maybe 1,200 pounds. Yep. Maybe some of them a little bit more at 11 months. And we're calving out heifers at young age obviously right um and that's one of those things we when we were out west they're talking about how um like the big thing was st genetics is being able to like um efficiency like create efficiencies within the breeding and selective like like their eco feed program they have for selective breeding for like through genomic ge through genomic yes. testings for just the diet within <clears throat> the cow yeah it's so and exciting like, it really is but like it's too bad that we don't have any of that yet like i'm saying yet because like there's obviously we have a lot of space to grow towards that genomic testing in the farm and like we already have really good genetics like we've been over but yeah, the problem I mean, we know our weak point is our our first lactation first cows because we got so many of them like you it seems like in the winter time we're calving out at really bad times because we've got so many cows that are calving that are unnecessary unnecessary calvings almost. No, I don't I don't know about that. It's, you know, you gotta stay calving in or your cash flow right. is gone. I mean we went from a seasonal herd seasonal herd to now where we're calving out twelve twelve to sixteen heifers a month. We're calving out had like five cows calve the other night <laughs> we're in a, a little bubble right now where we're calving out more animals than what we normally do right but you're hoping you're hoping you're gonna calve one out every day i mean that would be nice we're we're a 365 cow herd so you need to right and i think no. another thing we struggle with north morale is just spacing yeah, i feel like it's it's, it's we it's have the stalls yeah we do we have the stalls it's just management it's going up there it, well, it's hard to manage a farm that is 30 miles away <laughs> to, oh, to 20, be up there it's not quite 30 miles well it's like 22 but whatever it's like, it's like you know uncle johnny's talking about it's it's up there you go up there you're up there for a few hours a day it's dark right you know there's no fans there's no lighting no fans there's a little bit of lighting over the feed bunk you know it's yeah it's a shit show Right. I mean, in a, in, a, in a world where milk prices stay high and you knew you could cash flow, you'd put up a barn. 
a barn now. You know, a few years ago, I priced this out for, for our size. It was like five hundred sixty thousand, six hundred thousand dollars for a barn. There's no way you can cash. You're not gonna make that bag on, on fifteen dollar melt, sixteen dollar melt. You know, it's it's. Well, let's go, let's go over that. Let's go over our break even price range and compared to the current price of milk. Like where where how are we gonna make money in the business now? Because that is a very hard thing to. This is a tough year, absolutely tough year. You know, it's. Break even for us. I know last year was like pushing nineteen, you know, and 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 that's nineteen dollars a hundred, right? Yeah. Of pounds of milk. Yeah. And every gallon of milk's about eight pounds. Eight and eight. No, I don't know. It's not quite. I think it's around seven and a half, eight pounds. Right. But like today's milk price, class three milk price is seventeen forty three. So if we're losing a dollar a hundred every day, right? But you have to understand, like when you're looking on those websites, is that's not our, that's not what we're locked in at in our contract for milk, right? That's how I understand it. Is that when you, those are the futures for class three milk. That's, those are all, that's so we're a month behind. Yeah, on the contract, right? There's no contract. Like, what? What do you mean contract? I thought you guys signed a contract for the worth. The how much milk? Oh. No, we 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 have a contract with Agamemnon that they're right. going to take our milk. Yeah, right. But they don't. It's not like. But it's being sold at market price, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. I guess so, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, it's it sucks. You know, you have years where you're borrowing, borrowing, borrowing to get by, and then you have a good year and you get a. Pay back. Down, down. And that's what drove so many farmers out of business. Like when, what was those bad, like 2016, right? Was like when it first started dropping off from the four-year cycle. Yeah, 09 was absolutely horrible. Because there used 12. to be, the cycle was is that you'd have two bad years and then two rebounding years, right? Is what they used to say. It was. Right, it, it was. in a four-year, yeah. Four-year cycle. So like a lot of, a lot of the. I wouldn't say old school farmers, but I guess like the people that relied on that same uh, cycle to like they pulled their debt out when milk was good, and then they'd and then they'd pay it back when um, they had money. And then when that broke, it drove them all on the ground because they were weren't able to pay back the debt that it, they already had out, and that's what happened to a lot of people. I think. Oh, I think your mother would be be absolutely great to have on Call to her. talk about. <laughs> Yeah, talk about uh, this whole economy in the dairy world. It really, the one thing, the shining spotlight for a dairy farmer right now is our is our cull cows and, and calves. I mean, those prices are just unbelievable right now. And our our little burger business. Yeah, that's five dollars a pound. Right. Local meat, Wayside Meadow. Exactly. We're pretty much selling out. It's great. I'm very fortunate to have local support for our business. Yeah. I think people like the idea that now when the COVID hit, people wanted something local so they could understand what was going into their meat and what they were getting out of it. And I think that's important for a lot of people to know is how their how their meat is being processed and 
how it's ending up on their table, and I feel like it brings a lot of comfort to people to know that. Oh, yeah, there's so many. Even it's, it's so awesome to hear some older folks be like, have you seen the color of the burger at Walmart? <laughs> like, no. I'm like, no, it's pink. <laughs> like, she's, this one woman, she's like, your meat's really red, like really red. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, anything else? Well, I think you should just we're like done the, we're done. The two on the list? No, no. I, I mean, we're just kind of cleaning up at the farm, and right? Just trying to get things ready. Hopefully, next week we're going to be for the folks that are listening. Um, the smell of manure will be <laughs> quite strong in Rygate Corner, as uh, Jimmy Murray would say, "Cow shit corner." Uh, will be plastered. We will probably, we've got about probably anywhere between 350 loads of liquid to come out and probably probably 100 loads of sand-laden manure to come out. So it will take us Couple. a few weeks yeah. to get finished up. Definitely something. Um, and I feel like that's a lot. Bear with us. Yeah. It's a lot better in the spring now that we've turned over to injection. We'll talk a little bit about that. I've made a video on that for BNN about the injection process and how that's that's another th one of those things. Efficiency wise, you're getting the most your the bang for your buck out of the nitrogen and the manure. Oh, for us, it's been it's big. huge. Our you know our corn looks phenomenal. We're not buying commercial fertilizer. Not so having to the only thing you're putting on is corn starter, right? Yeah, a little bit, five pounds. 77,000 population. No. Yeah, that was a little messed up. <laughs> Dennis. Oh, uh, geez. Dennis. I got to gotta throw Dennis under the bus. Corn planter's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Set in high gear for soybeans. Oh, no, no. It was for it was for uh, sweet corn. Oh, sweet corn. It was the last place. <laughs> so that so does, so does that tell you your custom guy's feeling <laughs> full of shit when he's like, oh, the planter's ready to go. I've been all through it. I've been all through it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we we love those guys up there. They do a good job. Oh my gosh, we would not be able to make the milk that we make without Kelly Brothers. They do one hell of a job. Sean, Larry, Travis, Caleb. Oh my gosh, they're just all the guys behind the scenes. It's been a few winters ago when when we were hunting up in Maine. Russell Bill and I, and he went back on his computer and and he could look. At our the transition period from our samples. Lem Law to, and I mean, there's nothing against Murdo. It's just they have the big farm that they get that he has to take care of first. I totally understand that, and with with these guys, they're they are about an hour, hour and fifteen, twenty minutes north of us, so they can come down and start on hours early. Right. Just sets our, our well, summer. The up. great part about that is, is we're like being where we are in Vermont. We're a lot earlier than the guys that they they usually chop for up there. So like we're hitting ours at the perfect time, yeah, and they have the time to go help other people up north, like uh, Ryan's farm. They're always doing that when they're doing ours. But they have the they have the resources behind them to be able to spread out if they need right. it to go up north. Right. They got you know, and 
how accommodating those guys are. Like, oh like, yeah, you know where some dumbass farmer like wants 55, 60 acres to mow and to round bale. They leave their mower down here after they finish. Yeah, and their rake. They're gonna send a guy back down tomorrow do finish the raking. You know. Or when they their injection, they didn't they. I don't know if they did so much injection before we started with them. No, they they weren't. They weren't at all. They ended up getting a a, a bar, right? Toolbar to go on the mm-hmm. back on of the pool tank. tanker. So before we were just you know spreading the manure on top of the ground, harrowing it in, yep. and trying to do it as quick as we can so we're not losing that ammonia to the air. And the elements like rain, worrying about right. all that constantly. But when you have rain on top of injected manure, you're just driving it farther into the root systems. If anything, you're not losing, leaching out. No, and well, that's just it. You're not leaching out. When you're injecting manure, that's it. You're putting it in the ground. Massive brass tacks. Exactly. <laughs> There's you're no other butts about it. You might, you know, their shank is like four inches wide. And they're putting some fields. So back to the injecting we can then set gallons per acre per acre yeah for it so like so we can take our samples what tom eaton has for each field so we may have like huffnagles that's our biggest cornfield right it's, it's a sandier soil well that field leaches out quicker and so it calls for more manure right so that field may get fourteen thousand gallons I think what it's coming to now is being able to finally incorporate all parts of the agricultural business. Like you guys knew, you, Tom C, Tom Eaton took soil samples before you injected, but how much were you able to act upon those soil samples this accurately with oh, no, just spreading? Never. Right. No. So you, now you're able to adjust per acre for type different types of soil samples that you guys have, and you have an automated. You can change. You change your gallons per acre on the on the fly, and you're able to adjust. Well, that's the the only downside to the tool bar is this. It isn't a true blue injecting system where we don't have drag lines, we don't have flow meters, mm-hmm. but they can tell by how much, how fast. They know how right. much, if we get a 9,800 gallon tank. And you're dumping it out over right. <laughs> three seconds, you got a problem. Exactly. <laughs> right. So you know the fields. Right. You know, you can kind of set it up by your first field. And that's just by the way. speed and their monitor. Right. So, yeah. So that's been, that's been a huge and I, asset. I feel like that's like a lot of what we saw when we went out to Wisconsin was the culmination of all these things. Like, like I was saying, how John Deere didn't have much of a mechanical proportion in on their booth. <laughs> Excuse me, but but what they did have was their new um, program that they had designed for their choppers and their manure spreaders and their sprayers. And like their new technology for the sprayer is the weed detection. So when you have a low crop corn plant and they can, it can pinpoint like a, a, like a beginning of a, a corn, not a corn, but uh. What am I looking for? A wild cucumber, like bird's coming up, cucumber. bird's eye cucumber coming down the ground, and it can pinpoint accuracy, spray that as it comes down from the nozzle, and then that data gets transferred into the chopper, and it's it's just like the it's like a big cloud for John Deere uh, equipment that they can use like going forward, 
and then John Deere's got its yield monitors, obviously for like the, the combining side of things. And that was more of their drive, which I thought it was an interesting take when we were out in Wisconsin was they went from more for a uh, techno technological side of things show for Madison or opposed to like a company like Kuhn or Class that brought out like Baylor's and New Holland. They brought out all their new year, new and coming to the year equipment where you have a company like John Deere that's already so well renowned that they don't really need to show off their equipment. They're showing off their technology now. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. That was a fun trip. It was a really fun trip. It was really cool. I, got, I was able to use my BNN credentials to get a press pass for uh, the entire. I think you really used it to kind of just hit on girls. No. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I mean. Well. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, so I've had some. When's that story coming out? It's out. It's you, been out. You wrote a story about it? Yeah, it's been out for weeks, months. What? As soon as I got back, I wrote it. No, has it been on the BNN website? No, it has not. Yeah, it has. Bullcrap. <laughs> I have the date right here. No way. I don't yes. believe that. You never said anything. I didn't say anything because I didn't think it was really good. <laughs> oh, so you didn't send that to the SD genetics lady to ask for the... Uh... Oh, no. I like, It wasn't, like, <laughs> bad, but it wasn't, like... It was an interesting story to write up because of how widespread all the information that I received was. So I am, like... It was deciding what information mattered the most and what information was, like, the biggest to make sure people knew about it. So, like, the, the story was us as two Vermont farmers going to um, Wisconsin, Madison. Madison. <clears throat> and it kind of just talks about uh, where I can find it. Well, did you at least send it to Sheila? Did she see it? Mm, I don't know. I, it's Dynasty and Dairy, the World Dairy Expo is the title. And it's... What, uh, did, what did you... Did it post in BNN? Yeah, it's just on the website. I don't think Mr. Oh, Emerson didn't... Mr. Emerson didn't put it on Facebook. Oh, it's you should fun. probably send it to Sheila. So it's just... The, the first paragraph is just what matters the most for it all. So it's the World Dairy Expo held in Madison, Wisconsin. Doesn't disappoint with 100 countries represented. I had the opportunity to attend this event with my dad, Mike Murray, and as local farmers, it, this was a tre tremendous opportunity to see the dairy industry on a scale like any other. As a farmer and a member of the press with BNN, I obtained a press pass for the entire week. I conducted several interviews with companies such as GIA, Bico, and SG Genetics. Bico's a rotary installer. It's just They're out uh, west in California, yeah. I think. They're not real big. Yeah, but they do. They're yeah, they do big. They, they do, do big very. Projects. They're not a big company, <laughs> but they focus on the market that is very small for very big farms. Yes. Um. So, um. The expo highlights what is next in the future of ag and how we can make farming more efficient. I spoke with Carl Wright, a GS salesman, about GS new robotic feed pusher known as the Robo Rebel. Right. White stated that we are trying to decrease labor, which is always expensive, and increase your dry matter intake to your cows. With all these mechanical advancements to make it easier for farmers, the companies like ST Genetics seek to, sh seek to streamline your herd. And then I just kind of go into um, ST Genetics' new bolus they had launched, which was really cool. We could talk about our SCR collars if we wanted to and yeah. the difference between that. So um, we attended, we got to attend, attend the actual launch of the FarmFit program or the new insertable bolus for cows. And um, that was really cool. <laughs> that was, that was very cool. cool. Brought us in and put us right up. <laughs> put right, us right, right on the cover page of their release 
uh, magazine. Yeah. Just a couple of farmers. The hats did suck. And the and the hats did suck that they provided. Yeah, they, they, they were not, not very good. Not very much into that. Um, but it was really cool to be able to see uh, all of the, finally, the culmination of a lot of things coming together, it sounded like. Um, I got to speak with Jim Hockett, the actual person that put it on the map and is the uh is a repro repro biologist and has helped the bullets really come along uh or sorry mitch hockett mitch hockett not jim hockett um he was really great about everything they people asking questions and it was all part of their farm frit program for st genetics which is designed to incorporate every aspect of the ST Genetics brand, like EcoFeed and all of their other minor programs around the farm to incorporate this giant, like, intertwined web of your farm. And I feel, and their their big thing was the timing that you're able to put it into your cows from three weeks old and on. They can, you can insert it into your cows and you can have, I think. So it's like a pill. It's, it's, like it's a big when pill. You, when you say insert it in the dairy industry, it's not up its butt no it's it's it's, it's orally inserted it's, it looks like a magnet it's about most, most dairymen use magnets the calf one if i remember right is a little bit smaller yeah right? i think so sure. i think it's, it's like I think, I think it's like a like an inch smaller the the one that goes into a full-size cow is about the size of right. your it's a regular finger. it's about the size it's about of your the porter size finger. of a regular magnet though that's what you probably right. haven't seen one at our place. Well, I have one here in my story, so if anybody wanted to check that out, I could put the link in the description okay. of the video, so you guys can take a it look at a couple of these things we're the talking about. Data, the data that they were right back with is so real impressive. On the side of the mm -hmm. bolus is what it's called, is a QR code. So you take your phone out and you can scan the QR code with your phone camera, and as soon as it's scanned, it goes right into it. Enter it enters itself inside of your database for your cows. And from that on, you can you can put the cow's number in it, the cow's tag number. You can put data, anything up until that point. And then from that day on, it creates a, it has its own seven day long, uh, beginning baseline for your cow's temperature. And after seven days, it resets itself to the data that's already got, and it uh, develops its own temperature, regular temperature for that individual right. cow. Each cow, yeah. Right. For each calf. Right. Or any any kind of cow calf you have on the farm, it sets its own baseline for temperature. So moving forward, it can measure the movement and the rumination of the cow as well as just the temperature, and and it really offers a great way to keep track of your cow's treatment status and how it's been treated. So you can enter whether it's how much penicillin it's had and, and anything like that. So that way you can look back on a cow's uh, medical history, and you can keep it updated as much as possible, which is helpful for the farmer. So now on our farm, comparing that to our farm, we have the SCR collar system. So you right. can break that down a little bit. So we put those in in the spring. Mm -hmm. Spring. 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 Uh, I love them. So that doesn't have temperatures. Right. And basically, it's a little blue. We have the collars. Mm -hmm. We don't Ethan, have the ear tags. Ethan Nelson has the ear tags, yeah, which is farm neighbor. up the road. They have ear tags. Um. Those, it does the same thing. Yeah. I wanted to use the collars just because if we call the cow, I want to just be able to undo the collar and take it off. Right. And at the moment, they were, the salesman was telling me that they had been having some issues with the ear tag. So I was like, well, 
Let's just I go think college. I actually think Ethan's cows clock in in the parlor. Like they have. Oh, a, they might. They scan in. They might scan They, in they the scan in because they have the new uh, takeoffs that measure flow rate and oh and poundage oh, coming off when that. I was in there when I was in their parlor. One side of the parlor has it. One side doesn't. Oh, sweet. So any cows coming in the right side of the parlor get clocked in and their tags get scanned and they have a flow meter and so poundage. Now we know which farm's making more money. I, don't do we? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, mean I think we're, it's we're in a little double six. That herringbone yeah. milking they three got times a, a day. Double twelve parallel. Beautiful parlor. Ba- very, Big very parlor. nice, beautiful parlor. Big parlor. Um, but back to the SCR. So they basically monitor it's obviously around their neck and it keeps track of chew chewing so rumination um heat detection that's a big thing for us uh repro repro a high producing herd you know you've got to be on it and one thing that we found out that bruce would even tell you is we were probably breeding cows a little bit too early according to their chart. So they give you a little graph to go with each cow. And uh, I wish I could bring it up. I don't know if it's service here. But, and it gives you a heat index. And then it gives you a timeline. So you might have uh, like a yellow and then a green window where you want to breed her to insert this semen in that window. Um, And we, we both feel like it's way longer than what we were doing. We were like, sock out and heat, we were breeding them. You know, right. just one of those deals. We were only breeding once a day, and now we might be breeding twice a day. And I, I it's going to be interesting to look at some data here. Hopefully soon we get the salesman coming back, and I'm hoping that to do a online a Zoom call with a woman that can – kind of break our herd down now now that we got a lot of numbers and she's it's, from scr she's from scr she's out in oh, minnesota i think minnesota minnesota um so we can take our cow numbers and, and be more specific to what we want mm-hmm. and, and but it you know i think it saves some cows i mean I'm looking forward to next year. I'm hoping our call rate goes down a little bit because we're catching some cows, you know, some mastitis. That cow didn't get up, and it's telling us, hey, something's going on with this cow. Or rumination the graph is way down. Right, so that they send data to both the computer at the farm, but it also sends it to your phone. Right. And you get you get constant updates. I think I don't know what the refresh rate on them is, but I'm pretty sure it's a pretty quick turnaround for every update the data is or entered in. So, I mean – that cow, so we have two readers. There's one in the barn, and there's one just outside the parlor, the exit alley. Right. But it's facing so we can our dry cows and the can cows walk going past back. it. Yeah. Right. So, because uh, our parlor, our parlor's in our dry cow barn, off the yeah, side. Our parlor is in our old barn. Yeah. It's kind of a. It's a wonky it's setup. It's kind of a shit show. Yeah. We have to come, cows come from our barn, walk across Cross the yard, yard around the, the manure pit, pit, up a ramp, and then into the parlor. Yep. So we're milking 3X, three, 3X, 365, 370, 
DAOs, 3X, we're shut down maybe four hours a day. I posted the Gladstone OX 23 on, one off, and washed the parlor and right back up again. Yeah, I mean, but it's like I told you, you know, you you shit on me pretty hard about our parlor. <laughs> and, like, it kind of goes back to, the, you know, the expensive log truck and the dump truck. I mean, you're putting the 370 head through a double six herringbone, and you've got, and we're you don't we're have to pay for a new parlor. Shipping, you know, how many how many pounds of milk did you ship today? Oh, not enough. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were like 54 and some change. We're not. We're not 54,000 pounds. Yeah. Of milk. We're we're not shipping that much milk right now because we're not milking as many cows right now. We're on kind of a downhill, and we're not really used to that. We're normally 58, so we're. We broke, like, we broke 60 before, haven't we? We have. Yep. But like you said, you're not, we're not so high on a fluid rate, but we're high on a lot of components right now. Right. I mean. We're fluid, yes, because Monday we tested 96 pounds of milk. Right. So they're doing That's per cow, averaging the mean value of. 96. Well, I can't get this thing to <laughs> sign in. So I think that one thing that we should do is tell a funny story every All right. every time we're on. Like anything that you have that's funny. I think I'm sure that at some point we're going to have Uncle John on. Yep. And I texted him and asked him if he wanted to come on today. Yeah, he's probably hunting. He's working in Sutton. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> one funny story that I want to tell you is I can remember. So, my partner is Bruce Nelson, and he always had this old guy working for him, Larry, who is still around. He's, like, in his late 80s. So, anyways, Larry, if you know how our farm is, our barn's kind of up on a hill. Well, he had we had a brand-new like brand new Kubota tractor. And he was trying to take the duels off our Ford. The TW-15. 15s yep. back then, which we no longer have. And so he was doing this on a hill, okay, <laughs> on a hill. And it <laughs> had the bolt-on. No, not the bolt-on, the grab. Right. They come around. It's a little finger, a little flames yeah. that hold them hold on. them on. Yeah. So he he undoes the last one, and he's screwing around with the bucket trying to get it off. So he's using the Kubota to try to pop the duel off. Yeah. He pops it off, and the tire rolls down the hill and rips the brand new door off. that's the kind of stuff you can't make up that's the kind of stuff that happens on a farm right right and i think uncle johnny i wish he was here i'm thinking he got he submitted that to cargill for like stupid things (laughs) like they were promoting writing down problems like if (laughs) you see this like what could we've done right because at that point he was a cargill salesman yeah he was a a cargill salesman right so I'm pretty sure he won the 200 bucks for the month <laughs> on that one. 
I wish um, I could have wrote down all the stupid crap that has happened over the years. There's and I a lot. and I know probably I've done some too. I mean, I'm not gonna shy away oh, from yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I know I've done some too. Um, Third time feeding cows. I'm pretty sure I put the low group in <laughs> group. I know I put Ben two in for the low group. Right. Yeah, was, Uncle Johnny. Uh, Uncle Johnny did the same thing when he fed for me there a few weeks ago. He, you know. Oh, but you won't admit that. <laughs> He'll admit that. I guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, farming's a lot. Just learning from failure. And that's kind of like. Well, that's life. That That's life in general, but just you got to keep going on with things. Well, I think that's one thing that farming, it's so great for kids to be around because it teaches you at a young age life, death, common Right, sense. that's what I was telling Jared yesterday is there's life and there's death. And you know what, like, I noticed something today. So I, I take a college-level anatomy and physiology class, and we do a lot of dissections of a lot of things. And I think a lot of people in that class kind of shy away from all of these things, but, like, I kind of go towards them and want to know more about the inner workings of how it works. So today we, in the class, we dissected a sheep's brain. And um, so we were tasked with cutting it, holding the brain in our hands and dissect and cutting the brain into two halves. And I, everybody else was really bothered by it. Um, Carly wore a mask because she thought it was going to smell really bad. So they got it over the table and they put it down and they're like, yeah, it smells really bad. And I leaned over and like, it doesn't bother me at all because I feel like being on well, a farm. Well, did it have like the formaldehyde it, no, it didn't have smell? formaldehyde on it. It had some sort of different thing on it. Okay. But it had a weird, like, it smelled like uh, Remington gun oil. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It smelled like Remington gun oil, oil all over it. I was like, wow, that's interesting. But anyways, everybody else was, like, wicked queasy about it. But I thought it was, like, the coolest thing ever, like, seeing the inner workings of the brain. And, like, on the sheep, you can see, like, the pituitary gland and the pons on the brain stem. And, like, the medulla oblongata. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I think farming... And it's so sad because, I mean, there's really not many farms now. Um, I think you guys are lucky. There's a lot of kids in the school that kick around our farm. And take interest Fremont, in it. Ethan and Fremont's farm. and Farming's nice always see, a topic of conversation. It's nice to see kids want to be involved or just be around it. And, again, you, you guys just learn so much. The common sense thing today is... <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh geez, you could go on for hours about common yeah, sense. How many sense times you've said that to me before? Right. It's it's but I'm getting better. I I'm reforming. Say, <laughs> I'm reforming. Bruce told me a long time ago everybody has different common sense. This so. common sense isn't so common. Right. <laughs> That's the thing about well, it. Well today it is. Yeah, today it's not it's anymore. No way. There's there's so many things that you know and get frustrated it's like that should be just common sense right at this point like <laughs> like we have we have new employee that's milking and uh so our head our head guy his name's jose and he's unbelievable and shout out to jose yeah <laughs> so jose does the training so he has we have a new guy and his name's <laughs> jose mm. <laughs> so we've been calling him jose Right. 
and because I can't remember his middle name, it starts with a C, anyways. So we milk in the morning. Every milking, we do our treated cows first. Our treated cows don't have, go into the tank. Yeah, they do not go in the tank. They have red bands on, and the rule is, every time a red band comes in, you immediately the first thing you do is you pull the pipe off. You put a pail on. So our cows are don't go in until they're tested. So they tested free of antibiotics. So somatic cell counts are down, which is no, that's not somatic cell. No, it's antibiotics only. Oh yeah. So. So we use a Delvo test, which tests for, it's like the elite. Right, the so it, the Delvo test is the little, they're almost like, if you can think of. Um, the little vials. They're, they're little tiny vials, the like about as long as like your pinky yeah. almost. And they go down like a little tiny warmer with a bunch Heater. of holes for them. And yeah. it heats it up. And if it turns yellow, they're, they're, they're clean. And if it turns purple, then you've got to keep them out of the <laughs> tank. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Pretty much is like a no-go. Exactly. So <clears throat> we... It usually takes on a cow that just calves. It usually takes a couple days, and right? Because you're giving cows that calve what medicine? No, we don't give any medicine unless they right. need it. I mean, well, you said fresh. I mean, at dry off, right. all of our yeah. cows that you're thinking about dry off. At dry off, our cows are treated with quartermaster, mm-hmm. and that that's stuff put up that up, takes that's put up each teat into their quarter. And that just helps them get through the dry period, and it, it just kills a lot of bacteria. It's just kind of like And a it protects them, right. essentially. And then we put a sealant on each teat, and that protects them also. So it just helps clean them up, protects them while they're dry. Right. While, while they're, they're not getting milked. And basically, they're, not getting they're on a little mini vacation for <laughs> two months. It just kind of – it does the job of the pre, pre-dip, post-dip is what it – it comes down to like you're just well, keeping the post dip clean, cleans off the cows and keeps them sealed right, up for. You're you're putting a lot more. Up. <laughs> I mean, this is an antibiotic up into the right. animal. Not the tea dip is just iodine. Right. And so it's not. That's just killing bacteria. But it usually takes a few days and then they pass and then they can go in the tank. So, anyways, back to Jose. Telling this guy. You got to pull. So he's been here now for three weeks with us working, and and he's just not getting it. So this guy is supposed to go on to the night shift. Oh, and I'm just I'm scared to death. I don't. <laughs> I think we're gonna end up having a hot tank. I don't know. No. I mean, we'll have to let him go if he just can't can't get it soon i mean we can't that's a huge liability yes very I, we tried to explain to him the other day like we you gotta understand this sell, sell our milk we can't be dumping it down the drain because that's if you think about that we're fifty-five thousand pounds of milk every it, other day every other day and someone puts one of those red bands it goes to the milk in the you're, you're done done for it ruins the entire tank of milk right so. Which is actually pretty crazy to think about that that Delvo test will pick up in fifty five hundred pounds of milk. That small, little bit of well, it's, you're not you're not testing the fifty five thousand pounds. Well, you've you're, had to sometimes, haven't you're you? You're testing the yeah right. You have once when they have milked them in right yeah, and it will 
and it will pick it up, <laughs> which is a crazy thing Agamart to talk about. will come over and sample it, and they take it back to their lab. Cabot over to their lab, and they'll do a little bit of a stronger test. No, it's the same test. It's just a little quicker. Oh. So. Because that takes, the Delvo test takes a couple hours, right? Yeah, it's four hours. Yeah. So. It's a pretty unique <laughs> test. It's pretty cool, though, what it does. Yeah, it is cool. It keeps us. Keeps us uh, away from bad things. Keeps bad things out of the mouth. <laughs> exactly. That's the best way to describe when, it. When everybody thinks in today's world that we're trying to hurt everybody. We, we put put stuff in our mouth. and no, I mean, absolutely not. It gets tested so many times. I, I feel like it was a each, lot of... Each trailer load. So we test it. We test our cows. And then each trailer is tagged. Mm-hmm. So when they, when they fill that trailer... They close the latch and they tag it. And then they put a strap in it that can't be broke until it gets. And if it does, then it has to be. Yeah, if it gets. Yeah, exactly. If it's broken when it gets there, no, it's going down the drain. It's like chlorinated water. They test it. They test it again. Yeah. So they'll they'll test both compartments front and back before they'll start processing. And we, we fill the back compartment and half the front, right? At that point. Yeah, we were. I think the most trailers are like sixty-eight to seventy-two thousand. Right. So we're usually we get one farm pickup in front of us, and then no, they they come to our farm first, then go top off at Ethan's. Ethan's. Yeah, yeah. Because Ethan's got two smaller tanks opposed to a one bigger tank. Right. But I don't think when I was there, they I don't think they'd been running the other tank. I don't know. Because apparently you know more about the neighbors than I do. I, I have a hard oh. enough time keeping up with us. Oh, that's all I hear about at school <laughs> since half the school works for Ethan <laughs> somehow. <laughs> Always talking about something that gone bad at <laughs> one that milking. Somebody had to knock someone out there. <laughs> it's all bad. <laughs> I just feel like farming really brings, brings people together in the community. Like you have a kid like Jacob Emerson. That's trying to do it on his own. He's got a couple beef cows and he hays. And, you know, as much as I crap on him for cutting hay, that's two inches tall or whatever. But he's trying to make a go at it, you know. Right. Like, and, and Jacob could text me at any time and ask for help. And I'd, I'd help him. And, like, if any – Jacob could text anybody well, in my family come go help him. Well, why would you do that when you texted him that we needed help covering bunk? And he, <laughs> and he said, hell no. Logging. Just logging oh. constantly. Well, it's – it's good that you – there's a pretty good group of kids here. I've been pushing for an FFA here, or a river bend anyway. You need to have an ag teacher. Yeah. But I think it would be really cool. And the jackets are probably the one thing I'd want. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to – Oh, yeah. I just – I don't really know if I want a Bradford <laughs> FFA. I might want a Rygate FFA, but I just feel like FFA is really cool to go see cows because – like just like being out, like you 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 can see the difference in me, like from going before I went out to Wisconsin and when I have gone back of looking at cows differently. Oh yeah. Like just sitting in the ring watching judges look over cows and then explain what they see in the cows makes a whole difference in what how you look at a cow. Like I used to just be like you used to say stuff and it just you just go right over my head. <laughs> You'd be like, Yeah, that look at that cow, look at that cow and now it's like Oh, okay. I see what you're saying now about how she's hawking and how, you know, her hooks and pins set a little low and she's a little messed up on the front end. 
right now. It just makes a huge difference just going to these things and getting out into the agricultural community. Well, I think that what sucks now, you know, we talk about there's not many farmers now. <laughs> we go out there and we know so many people. Right. And it really confirms that there really isn't many many dairymen anymore. Right. Granted, there's a lot of cows, uh, you know. Well, it really makes me sad. Like, when you were out there talking to your old professor from Utah State. That I hadn't seen since. That you hadn't seen since, since you graduated <laughs> and you just randomly ran into him. Right. It's really sad to hear that, especially at West, that the agricultural business is dying and people just aren't taking an interest to it like they were. Yeah, it's, it's help. I mean, and it's generational because I'm not going to lie. I don't want to be in our parlor all day long. Right, you like being I out mean, with the cows. Or have you even been in our parlor? No, I've milked. I've milked a couple times. Yeah, not a full milking. Not, no, I mean, and I haven't. I haven't done a full milking since the guys went and played soccer. What are you, that what this are you talking about? You filled in for Gord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll just let that one go. I did do a full milking there <laughs> a couple times. Um, no, no, I think it's just right. it's generational because, pe- and I'm I do it myself. I'm watching you guys, you and Addison, my daughter, and farming has allowed me to be part of your life, probably a lot more than, you know, I don't work a nine to five, but you work, work a five a three, four, <laughs> three. You know, we're there. At, we start at four, and you know, but I've always. I haven't always, I, I gotta say, Bruce is really when you kids were young, when you were young, and you didn't. I can remember it like it was yesterday. You had, I think it was baseball or soccer, and didn't have a coach. And Bruce said to me, "Well, they got a coach." And I said, "Well, really? They didn't have one last night." Yeah, he goes, "You're gonna coach them." Well, I don't have time to coach them. Yeah, you do. This place will be right here when you get back. And ever since then, and we've grown. You know, we were 150 cows, and we had I had to milk. And now we're the size we are, and it allows my afternoons. To open up a little bit. Yeah. It allows I, us to do stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, let's just do stuff like this when you should be home having dinner. But so it's allowed me to kind of come and go, As you're you know, to- you know, I've been down. I've been coaching baseball, little league, and then where are you going, Dad? Afterwards, well, I got to go finish planting corn until one o'clock in the morning. You know that happened numerous times when we were planting our own corn at the end, or no-tilling our own corn at the end. Uh, so farming has done that, but it makes you, I think, to myself a lot more now than I ever used to, and maybe it's because I'm getting older and. I do it seven days a week, but I think, man, how nice would it be to just be able to turn a key and get in my truck and go home, and that's it. You know, like going to camp with mom for an extra week and or being able to go hunt off somewhere. I love to hunt, as you know, you know, or go hunting with you and uncle and being able to go out like when we went to visit Cornell right 
maybe be able to spend a little bit more time, time out there. Not a, <laughs> not a one day trip. Leave at two o'clock in the morning and get back at like six o'clock at night. Right. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah, that was crazy. So farming is, it's tough, but I think that's why you see so many, not, I guess not see so many, that they've chose to get bigger in a way. Well, you think of like Gladstones. I think those guys are just driven by the almighty, I, I want to be, I want to be the biggest farm in the freaking state. Yeah, Monopoly. I don't know. I don't know. That's, I mean, we. Well, it's almost getting to the point when you think about, I like to think about the way farming is going as the industrial revolution. When you think about it, because you think about these companies, it's called vertical integration and horizontal integration. You right. have vertical integration where you go all the way, you have every aspect of your business all the way up through. Horizontal integration, you go way out, you spread all the way out, and you have this one set idea of what it is. And I feel like Gladstone have really, they really taken on vertical integration head on, buying Knoxland, buying all parts of like they have growers, so they don't have to worry about their cows. You've got, and they have it all the way out through, or even, even like our good friends from Hardwick. The Mashads. I don't know if we should be throwing their name. Their Mashads. They have their their ice cream business. Yeah. They have they have embraced another part of dairy that isn't just the the fluid market. No, well, I think. Or Hatchland. What, what, Hatchland's a good oh, example. Hatchland's, great, Hatchland's great a great example. example. I mean, what a business! And it's, it's. I I think they're, to me, they're the most impressive farmers around. Oh my goodness! Yes. I mean, they've got everything right there process their own milk they're selling it i don't even think they're delivering it anymore i think they're hiring somebody that doesn't that's besides the point i mean what they've done down there the three the three of them you know just building it's it's huge but i can remember you you, you talk about that i can remember russellville i don't know six seven years ago he's our nutritionist saying that this is what it's going to come to there's going to be one processing plant that supplies these X supermarkets and they're going to get their milk from one farm. So they can say our milk Come comes from, this, from place. this one farm. And, oh. You can take it. So we were talking about um, vertical integration, right? We were talking oh, about yeah. Russell's thoughts on the uh, exporting of milk and stuff. Well, I think that he probably got that thought from the large farm uh, meetings. He goes to that. And I mean, it's a, it's it's good. I mean, but at the same time, it's going to put all those small guys like us out of business, right? Eventually, I think that's that's why there's everyone's got to find another niche. Logging. Yeah, I mean, logging, growing. Doing different things. Like <laughs> well, you've gone over. I don't know how many times. Like just, well, we could do that, or we could do this. And the meat sales has worked out really good. Yeah, they especially have. when the way meat pricing is right now on like the actual wholesale market for bull calves and stuff like that. This these last couple of years, but like the logging stuff we do. Well, the, the the beef. I mean, you talk about helping. I mean, I think everybody that listens knows how much they're paying for beef. In the supermarkets, I mean, it's crazy. Like we just had to stop 
this podcast take a phone call about beef right because one customer was worried about how he he'd put his name on a beef like six eight months ago probably eight months ago but the meat market's changed and so much from market, now that the quote he's all worried I, I can't afford it all up front you know what can we do is there anything you know the guy's done business with us forever we're make it work one way or another so but just that and and back to the integrating where the the dairy industry the bull calves are the byproduct and this whole country runs or is fed by black angus right so we're breeding and the semen companies are pushing sd genetics you know we're talking about that Taking the bottom of your herd, SD genetics, and you're genomic testing all your calves to this see which ones are going to yeah. be able to. Right, which ones should be you should be keeping their genetics in your herd. Right, and the bottom you can send off to BB. You can be you can black freedom to black Angus. Now, as long as that calf is born fully black, then it's considered full black Angus. A hundred percent black Angus. It can they can put the stamp on that says. Black Angus. So, <laughs> will genomic Black Angus. will genomic testing be able to identify what cows will produce a better Black Angus? Yeah. Yeah. Be, it and, can and, tell you what. And, and that's one thing that SD Genetics has done that's so exciting is they've worked with the processing plants to say, all right, this is what we need for marbling. And I, I actually read an article this morning. And that can that they can isolate the genetic that brings yeah, in exactly. marbling and be able to tell you right. you want that cow to be bred to black Angus to produce a better marbling meat. Yeah. It, it's it's awesome. So we we were we talked with our sales rep through ST Genetics and Russellville obviously and they were talking about one farm. By the time they got done and got doing this, it was an 80 very similar size herd. Is an $80,000 swing for the positive going to, to with the Black Angus calf versus the, the Holstein. I mean, right now, they're getting for calves to be raised Stupid for, money. for slaughter is like five to six bucks a pound for a calf that is two weeks old. This is nuts. I mean, our, our beef guy was telling us, Paul Knox, someone had a black calf. They got like 600 bucks for it. For a calf. There, I, I mean, I have a hard time swallowing that whoever's buying that calf is going to get that money back by the time it's 600 pounds or 1,000 pounds ready to go to market. Whoa. Yeah, like that, this, that's, this, a, this that's market, almost... <laughs> It's not, and, and the ST Genetics girl was telling Bruce and I that someone got a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars for a calf, and and Bruce is like, no way, there's no way they're gonna get their money back, there's no way. Well, that's the way this is going. Like that, that almost reminds me of like the peak, right before the huge crash. I don't think it's gonna. I've I've been watching RFD, rural television. Where is this meat going that they're paying so much money for it? They, there's there's no meat on. There's no inventory of animals. A few years ago when the West was in a drought, 
all the animals. They had no feed, and they had no water. What are you going to do with your animals? What are you going to do? Kill them. You're going to bring you, them. You to, gotta, you're going to bring you're, them early. You got to go to market. Yeah. So it depleted the resources of inventory that those farmers exactly. had. Exactly. So now they're trying to build back their inventory. So what? What I was listening to the other night was they were talking about the Black Angus group saying it's going to take 24 months to, to get, get a, back to get a heifer inventory big enough to have a cow calf. And and I had an interesting conversation with with our vet. Ethan Nelson's Nelson's wife, Erin. What's the matter? <laughs> that was just really funny. <laughs> he said Nelson. Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron's like, what an opportunity. We have a byproduct that's these calves that we need, you know, our calves to get have rid to of calf to be able to make milk. To make milk. Why not? Try and make money off of the byproduct. You know, and I said to her, I said, because these big processors, they're making money on these animals that they're buying. You know, that's what they've always done. They've been able to go out to these stockyards, buy all these cows, these calves, or see these pristine cows that are the way they want and, them. And finish them the way that they, they want, want them to be finished. Exactly. And then, boom, and they're making that money, that margin there. But now they don't have <coughs> the option to go out to stockyards for young calves. So now they're just. They're buying them almost like sight unseen. For a base, the for a base cow. So, my thoughts are, I'm thinking that our beef prices are going to be good for a little while longer. Yeah. So how is that going to impact how you're breeding cows? Well, that's one thing that Bruce and I have been talking about, and and, you know, it's always that struggle, the old mentality versus the new, the new, and. That, that the sucky part about the genomics is it's not like the light switch right there. It's not just it's gonna guaranteed. Come on. Well, it's it is it is essentially. I mean, there's enough proof in this, but these are cows, these are animals. You've got to raise them in the right way, the breeding age, and then right, right, be able to. Comp- so you're yeah. not gonna get your return because I feel like we do a good job. That's one thing we do a really good job of is raising beef cows. Oh, I think, well, I think somehow I think all of our cows and animals look really good. I right. I don't think it's just just the beef cow. I think, I think Bruce and Tanya and and the guys do a great job with the calves. Um, I think that is one thing that could always be a little better, though. I think we need. I'm, I've got to go get a bunch bunch more calf coats. Calf, well, we put an order in for those a while ago but you're gonna get some are we gonna get some more from, uh, what was that group we saw when we were no. out there no i ordered them from select so oh, yeah, it was yeah. a discount oh if we get them in i think it was like five percent always looking discount. for the discount always. <laughs> you have to be able to make money you have to <sighs> so well i think we're running out of time yeah, I it think was, this is a it was fun. It's a fun little first episode. I'm sure. I hope we didn't put anyone to sleep. Um, <laughs> or if we did, hope thanks for listening all the way. Right, definitely. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully we're gonna do this. Oh. You thinking like once a week? I'm hoping. I'm hoping we can get in here a week. Hopefully, we can get some guests on. Oh yeah, like definitely. Mom or some people that can help bring a little bit more insight to different parts of the dairy business. Tom Eaton maybe get a little. 
soil sampling and agronomy parts of things. Oh, I, think, I think Russ Savelle, our crop guy, there's a lot of different people. There's a lot of people that we can go to for a lot of different parts of insight in the ag industry, and I think it could be really exciting to, yeah, keep up with an update. Maybe sometimes do just when we don't have a guest, do a little weekly update on why the farm's going, what we're doing, and uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys for listening. So this has been episode one.